0: Everybody, Good morning. Uh, it's great to have you all with us this morning. We're so glad that you joined us. All right, so today um, we're going to continue in our series of Standing in the Gap. Remember, the first Sunday we started off with, we talked a little bit about prayer, we talked a little bit about the importance of prayer. Um, as I was studying and reading this week, and you get into the book of Acts, um, you know, that, that picture of the New Testament church and how it started. Um, I love the verse in there that talks about how they were all in one accord. And when they were in one accord, miracles happened. We talked about it Wednesday night. We talked about it Sunday night at our prayer group. As the church comes together and gets back on its knees and starts to pray, things will change. But it takes the body. It doesn't take the pastor being him by himself praying. It takes all of you guys praying with me. I can't, I can't be in one accord by myself. I need you all in one accord with me as we seek Jesus above everything else. Last week, we talked a little bit about fasting. Um, we talked a little bit more about it. We talked about the importance of it, how fasting supersizes and supercharges our prayers. It takes our prayers to a whole nother level that we could never get on. Why? Because we're denying self to receive from God. And I also asked you guys just to, to take that time and, and pray and fast once a week with me, one hour a day with me, um, as, as we continue to just hear what God has for us for this upcoming year. And remember, I challenge you that as you're praying, get a word from God for your year that you can go back to in July, that you can go back to in November, and say, okay, God, you, you said this at the beginning of the year, so I'm still hanging on to it. Now I'm going to share what kind of what God's been talking to about with me about the church over the upcoming year next week you don't get to hear it this week um I still got some fine tuning and praying to do um to hear what God has but also in that time get a song and get a verse from God that verse that you can go back to that when the enemy starts to lie to you you can say "Uh uh-uh this is what God says I don't believe what you say you're a liar and see how many y'all know this morning that the devil is a liar he is the father of lies. He will try to convince you you're not good enough. You can never change. Nothing will ever get any better. You'll never get that job. You'll never get that raise. You'll never get that spouse. You'll never. Your spouse will never change. You will never change. None of this will ever get any better. That's what he does. He's been doing it since the garden, and he's better at it than you are beating him at it. That's why we need to pray. Our strength comes when we get on our knees. See, in our country today, we become... Let's say prideful. We don't understand the importance and the depth of surrender of getting on our knees. Now, if you grew, I mean, centuries ago you were in England, you were in any other country that they had a king, guess what you did when they came around? You went to your knees before the king to show reverence, to show honor. See, we don't do that even to the one who created heaven and earth. Partly as we get older, it's hard to get back up, (laughs) but... We need to get back to that surrendered heart of understanding. To hear from God, we have to have a heart that wants to hear from God. Today, we're going to go back into Matthew 6. We're going to continue to walk through Matthew 6. We're going to jump back up to verse 5 today. And as, as, as we get ready to look at this again, remember, Jesus had, had just gotten t- through talking about... Um, or yeah, chapter 6 and verse 5, he just started going through the Beatitudes, just went through all that, and his disciples had all kinds of questions about what they're supposed to do next, you know, where should they go next, how, you know, when's your kingdom coming, all of that good stuff. And, and Jesus is trying to get them to come back to the simple, come back to the fact, come back to the point of understanding you, you ain't got to make this difficult. You know, in verses 1 through, five, one through 4, he talked about how, how we have to be generous with our lives how our lives isn't about us, how what we have isn't about us, how what we have isn't about making our lives better. And God wants to give us things. Why? To show his goodness. But it's not so we can have pride in his goodness. And so when we jump to verse 5, Jesus tells his disciples, again, this is in red letters, so that means it's kind of important. And so we need to pay attention. And He says, when you pray... Don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to the Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. Now, see, we will take that and say, see, we're not supposed to pray out loud. We're not supposed to pray in front of people. See, we're not supposed to pray as a group of people. Why? Because Jesus says, no, no, go go to your prayer closet and sit in your prayer closet. But see, he says in verse 7, when you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. So he's saying, guess what? You're going to be praying in front of people. Why? Because then they're going to see my goodness working through you. Jesus prayed in front of people. Jesus prayed on the cross. So don't tell me I need to go to my prayer closet all the time and pray, and I'm not supposed to be praying with you guys. That we aren't supposed to be praying together because if Jesus on the cross could say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do and everybody heard them, I'm thinking the body of Christ can come together and pray together. That deserved at least a couple of amens. Come on, people. Let's get a little bit excited about what God's telling us here. Again, this is freeing. It isn't, it isn't about putting us in a box. One of my favorite prayers. And I don't care if you think you're a prayer warrior you don't think you're a prayer warrior. Remember me is still one of the most powerful prayers in Scripture. It was two words. And that changed a person's life for eternity. That's why I said don't Babylon like people. Don't just think if you keep saying the same thing over and over that God's going to all of a sudden miraculously the 21st time you say it in that prayer, he's going to hear it. He heard it the first time. And then he goes on, When you pray, pray like this, Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Okay, I'm to stop there for a second because I want to I actually, I, I spent some time this week kind of breaking down the Lord's Prayer. Again, Jesus gave us not a formula to pray, but a heart stance to pray. So we don't want to just say that prayer, repeat that prayer. And how many of you guys can repeat the Lord's Prayer? Just because if you grew up in church, you can repeat it with your, you know, not even thinking about it. Yeah, I mean, we could just say it. How many of y'all remember what um, prayers you prayed before your meals? I still can't growing up. Why? Because they just automatically came out. They meant absolutely nothing, but I had to say them before I could eat. Otherwise, I couldn't eat. See, so we, we get in the habit of start saying just normal prayers. And so as, as we go through today and we, and we understand, when Jesus was saying, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, or when you pray, go away and be by yourselves, or when you pray. See, Jesus knew we were going to pray. See, Jesus was teaching his disciples, and he's teaching us That we should be praying. See, if if we say we're followers of Christ and we're not praying, we're not followers of Christ. Because how do you talk to the God of the universe? Because prayer is just a conversation. And Jesus said, When you pray, when you pray, See, it's important to pray when things are not going well, but it's also important to pray when they are going well. See, we like to pray and we'll pray, and you know, if something bad happens, we all. You know, the whole thought process there's no atheist in a foxhole. Well, the problem is that relates more to Christians than atheists. Most Christians will pray only when things are going wrong and not praying, thanking God for what's going right. See, it's it's a constant conversation. Good, bad, ugly, doesn't matter. We need to be talking to God. We need to be sharing our heart with him. We need to be understanding that we have to be ready to give a testimony of why we have faith at every time. And the reason we can do that is because we've been spending time, good and bad, with the Father. Oswald Chambers says, Prayer is not to prepare us for the greater works. Prayer is the greater works. See, we get, prayer, we get prepared for battle in prayer. We don't get prepared for battle in the battle. So if we want to face strongholds, if we want to see breakthroughs, if we want to see things change, it starts with the decision today to say, I'm going to get on my knees, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to trust God, not what I see to happen. And guess what? As Sean said this morning, sometimes you have to show up So God can show off. Sometimes we have to ask God to do something that only he can do. Again, you look at the testimony of this church. There were very few people that thought we'd ever get to the point we're at today. And I am just dumb enough to believe God can do whatever he wants. Again, not my job to be fruitful. That's his. It's your job to remain faithful. That's your job. See, there's always a job if we want to see God move. Leonard Ravenhill said it this way, prayer is not the preparation for battle, prayer is the battle. And Ephesians 6.12 says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. See, prayer is our shield for defense, but it's also our weapon of offense. Because we start praying for what we want to see God do, not what we see happening. God, you said we can have a breakthrough. God, your word said I'm victorious. God, you said we're, your, your word says I am more than a conqueror. You, your word says I'm a new creation. Your word says I've been forgiven. See, we start proclaiming what God says, not how we're feeling, because our feeling is going to lie to us. And so we start praying, okay, God, this is what you said. You said, if I come to you, you will forgive me of all my sins. You will wipe me as white as snow, and you will make me a new creation. You have said I'm the head, I'm not the tail. You said I get to move forward and take every step I take. You says you're going to be with me, and I can take this for you, God. And so we start proclaiming what God says over our lives, and that happens in our prayer times with God. It doesn't happen when we all of a sudden say, okay, i got to pray today because my, my wife is just angry today, so i got to pray for her. First off, pray that you understand why she's angry, because most of the time I don't know. So I'm like, okay, God, help me understand what's going on. Because again, I would rather hear the heart of what's being said than the words that are coming out the mouth. Because if we can learn to listen to the heart of people as we listen to the heart of God, we start to hear the words as as they're meant to be said. Because what's that old saying? Hurt people hurt people. But forgiven people forgive people. And so we learn to start listening, and we, we learn to start doing that in prayer. See, you are equipped for the battle, whatever battle you're facing, through the power of prayer this morning. Whatever's going on in your life can be overcome through the power of prayer. And that may be you, not just you praying by yourself, but where two or three are gathered in my name. There I am in the midst of them. There I can show up. Because, see, I can live with a lot of hidden sin if I just pray with God But if I start confessing it and ask somebody else to pray with me, all of a sudden it gets open and I'm in free. I can go to freedom mode. And so we start praying together. We start coming together. And see, as as we go through and we pray without ceasing and we feel the urge to do more, and yet God has not directed our steps to do anything specific, what we need to do is we need to remain in prayer. See, that first week in prayer, I got, I got really nothing from God, and what do you want to see coming this year? But then last week, what he did with me last week is I continued to just say, okay, God, I still got nothing. I have no idea what you want me to do. I have no idea where you want us to go. I, I just don't get it, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to remain faithful, and I'm going to continue to listen for your word. And all of a sudden, he took it off. Hey, take your eyes off what the church needs to do this year, and let's see what you need to do this year. And as I started saying, okay, God, how are you going to stretch me this year? Guess what? All of a sudden, the stuff for the church started coming into view. Because he's going to take us as the church and change us to become the church he needs us to be. We don't become the church until we are the church. And see, the church is in this building. The church is us. It's all of us. And as we change, all of a sudden, the church changes. See, yes, we're assemblies of God. Yes, we have certain doctrines. Yes, we have statements of faith. Yes, we have all these things. But if people aren't seeing it in my life, does it mean anything? No. So I have to let God change me. And then all of a sudden, I start to become his church. And so as we pray, it changes us more than it changes our circumstances. See, as we jump into verses 7 to 9, when he says, when you pray, don't babble on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating words. I, I've known people like that. They've said the same thing for like 10 minutes. They may twist how they say it, but it's the same thing. And, and God's like, dude, I heard you the first time. What, you think I didn't hear you? Like I said, now, yes, there are times that we want to continue to bring our requests before God. But now that lady that, you know, when you read about it in the, in the Bible with the woman who came to the unjust judge, she didn't stand there for a day badgering him. She kept coming back every day badgering him. See, if all I do is pray for her for 10 minutes and then walk away for a week, did I really want to see a change or did I just want to complain? See, that's the problem. A lot of times we just want to complain about what's going on. We don't want to see the change. But the change happens in us before it happens in our circumstances. And he says, the Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. So he says, pray like this, our Father in heaven. Now think about that statement, just that statement, how much. I could probably do a whole sermon on just that statement. Because that statement right there alone speaks to your identity. It speaks to who you are you are children of god see if we say our father who art's in heaven who art in heaven we are saying we have a father who is high and above every and we are yours see we come to prayer in reverence of who god is but he's not a god who wants to stand far off he's a god who wants to be your papa he wants to be your daddy. Why? Because, and, and sorry guys, but as I look over and I, and I see a dad holding his baby, that's what God wants to do to you this morning. He wants you to know everything's gonna be okay. I'm with you, I got you. Ain't nobody gonna touch my son or daughter. I mean, how many of you have parents have ever thought like that? Yeah, mess with my kids. Now, old Gene probably would have ended up in jail. Shh. <laughs> no more family coming to church. Um, but old Gene would, would have been that way. New Gene says, guess what? I'm going to pray all the harder to guess what? This person gets blessed and this person gets to meet God. Now, you keep doing it, we're going to have issues. I can lose my religion really quickly. Because there's still some of that that laying deep inside of me. But see, I would prefer to see God move than me move. Why? Because God's got a bigger stick than I do. So I say, Daddy, take care of this. Y'all watch those movies with the gangsters? Y'all know who my daddy is? Think about it. When the enemy comes and starts messing with you, when somebody comes up and starts messing with you, all of a sudden you say, you know who my daddy is? My daddy created all this. My daddy's got my back. My daddy's gonna protect me. You can say what you want, but my daddy says I'm his. See, we start seeing our Father in heaven. And then it says, May your name be kept holy. And we look at that and we say, We're praising God in the midst of our problems. No matter what's going on, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May we have reverence for who you are. May we we remember that you created all this. We remember his ways are high above our ways. His thoughts are far above our thoughts. And so what he says is happening and what we see happening sometimes can be two different things. Why? Because he knows it all. I know very little. You could have laughed at that one, you know. It didn't have. Yeah, they're like, yeah, you're right on that one. Um, <laughs> I was, I was waiting for an amen on that one. Um, but see, what we're doing is, 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 I'm understanding that. Guess what? I ain't got all the answers, but my daddy does. So I go to him, and we say, "May we honor you, God, not for what you do, but because of who you are." A father who has never stopped loving us, who while we were still enemies sent his son to die for us, showed his love for us because he is love. It's not what he does, it's who he is. And it's a perfect father who just said, you're mine. And he says, may your kingdom come soon. As I was thinking about this this morning, I pray that one a lot. As I look at what's going on in our world and as I get older, I'm just like, Jesus, take me home. Just come back and let's stop messing with this. And then I remember that there's 42% of the world that have never even met a Christian. There's 42% of the world that have never even seen a church. There's 42% of the world that have never heard of the name Jesus. They've never even seen someone who says, they've never seen a Bible. And we take it for granted on our tablets and on our phones just to look at a Bible. And yet there are 42% that don't even know what that is. And so when, when I start thinking of may your kingdom come soon, I looked at it this week as going back to Jesus' words of seek his kingdom first. Because as I seek his kingdom, his kingdom comes into my life. Jesus, as he went around and worked, as he went around and spread the good news, as the disciples went around and spread the good news, Jesus says, go out and tell the people that the kingdom has come near them. And see, we carry that kingdom with us every day. If we say we're followers of Jesus and we've given our heart to Jesus and made him Lord of our lives, we carry that presence of the kingdom with us daily. See, we need to pray, dear Lord, please open the hearts of my loved ones don't punish them for what they're doing wrong. We need to pray to God to open the hearts of our co-workers. We need to pray for God to open the hearts of our neighbors that they can receive the gift of his salvation. Because praying his kingdom come is about the gospel message of reaching people with the salvation and saving knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. See, God's kingdom expands as more people turn to Christ. Christ. And so to honestly pray, your kingdom come, we need to be going out and sharing his gospel, the good news of who Jesus is. See, we're not only waiting expectantly for the return of Jesus, but also that his kingdom rule and reign grows in our culture and in our world and in our lives. And then we pray, may your will be done. And for me, that brought back the picture of When Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane and praying. When Jesus was saying, Father, not my will, but your will be done. Father, if there's a way for you to take this cup of anguish from me, take it. And I think a lot of us have been there. Father, I'm going through this right now. Please just take it off me. I can't handle it anymore. I can't deal with this fight anymore. I'm getting too tired of fighting with this person. I'm getting too tired of fighting with my spouse. I'm getting too tired of fighting with my kids. I'm just getting tired, God. But we need to get to the realization of on our knees again, as Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, but God, not my will, your will be done. Let your kingdom come in their life and let them see who you are. See, we got to fight. we got to stand in the gap for those we love, and even those we don't love. we got to stand in the gap. we got to say, God, let your will be done, because God said, let there be light, and what happened? Yeah, so not my will, God, but what you said, let it happen, that all will come to the saving knowledge, because that is his heart, that all will come to know him. And so I'm going to pray that over my situations, I'm going to pray that over my kids, I'm going to pray that over my co-workers, I'm going to pray that over our church, over our family, and over me. God, let me become less and you become more. So as I walk in the light, as you are in the light, the light carries with me. And our devotional this morning was awesome because the picture I got was the picture of Moses standing in the presence of God. And when he walked out of the out of that place and he walked out, people said, no, no, put a veil over your face. We can't, we can't even bear to look at you because of the brightness shining around you because you were in the very presence of the creator of the universe. Every Sunday we have that opportunity to come into the very presence of the creator of the universe so when we walk out of here people say no no you got to cover your face i don't know why you're glowing like you're i don't know where that light came from and we just say it is the light of jesus christ and guess what darkness will not cannot and won't ever comprehend it which means overcome it it doesn't mean just understand it it means it ain't got a chance see i'm more than a conqueror through christ And then we say, on earth as it is in heaven. See, earth talks about our flesh. Heaven is talking about our spirit. We're asking God as I seek him first and I deny my flesh and I focus on working in and for him working in and through me to produce a fruitful life in me. Now, I believe we should be praying for people for healing, for restoration, that their hearts will be softened and receive salvation. But until Jesus comes back, we will never see the perfection that is in heaven. So I'm going to continue to pray. I'm going to continue to do what God says, asks me to do. I'm going to continue to pray for people to be healed. I'm going to continue to see salvations. But until Jesus comes back, heaven will not be fully revealed. I, I throw that out there because there are some places that say we can bring heaven to earth. No, heaven is perfect. This earth will ne- never will be perfect until Jesus comes back. But I'm going to pray for it. I know it's not going to happen. I read the end of the story. I know when the end of the story comes, all things will be made new. The heaven and earth will be made new. We will never need a sun. We won't need lights. We won't need the moon. Why? Because the light of the world will be there. That's what Revelation says. There will be no darkness. And so we pray on earth as it is in heaven to pray, God, do your will And I will pray for this person to be healed because I know your will is that they are healed. You took those stripes upon your back for them to be healed. And so I'm going to pray for them for healing because I can promise you this. If you want to see people healed, you got to pray for healings. Now, does that mean everyone's going to get healed? No. I cannot explain God's sovereign will. Because remember, I already told you, his ways are far above mine. But I know what God says, and the more people I pray for for healing, the more you're going to see get healed. The more times you pray for salvation for somebody that you've been praying for behind the scenes for years, the better chance there is for them to be saved. But, God, I've been praying for this person for 20 years. Thankfully, I had family that prayed for 33. They would have stopped at 32 and a half. You wouldn't see my smiling face up here today. I can guarantee that. I know where my life was headed. See, we all have that story. We're just afraid to share it that we had family praying for us because we were struggling. We didn't want anybody to know we were struggling. We were at the top of the world until we were by ourselves. And then we pray. And then we go on to the next part. It says, give us today the food we need. I don't like that one. (laughs) I'm just going to be honest. I'm like, God, give me the food I need for the week. Even give me, you know, a paycheck that'll last a month. Don't make me depend on you daily. That's honestly what that means. And I'm joking. Because it does. It goes to the fact that... In this prayer, we're reminded we need, to, we need to rely on God every day. Remember in the Old Testament when God would send manna from heaven to the Israelites, he said, only take what you need for today, and I will send you more tomorrow. There were people who, I probably would have tried it, honestly, grabbed more than I needed for that day, but what would happen? Yeah, got maggots and nasty. You thought you had a problem waiting three weeks with bread. This would be 24 hours, your bread would be all moldy. And so we got to rely on, on Jesus, and we got to rely, rely on God daily. So instead of praying, God, show me what you want me to do this week, pray and ask God to show you what he wants you to do today, and then be obedient there. Because God, God can't show you the next step until you complete the first step he's given you. See, we want to pray every day for his forgiveness. We need to pray every day for his guidance. We need to pray every day for his love. Also, when we look at that and we understand, give us this day our daily bread, is that was a staple in the diet of Israel. It was, ne- ne- it was necessary for their life. So when they asked for their daily bread, they were asking God to help them live every day. There, it was also, it refers to God's word. In Matthew 4, 4, Jesus told them, no, the scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So now it's telling us, okay, I, I need the bread of life so I can live every day. I need God's word so I can live out his will every day. And then I need the last step because that bread represents salvation. Matthew 26, 26-29 says Jesus chose bread to represent his sacrifice and communion. When he talked about the Last Supper, every time you eat and drink of the wine and the juice, it reminds us of God's love for us and the sacrifice he made for us so that we can get into heaven. Warren explains whatever your need is, physical, emotional, relational, or spiritual, God will take care of it if you will depend on him. And then as I wrap up this morning, (laughs) and he goes, and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. That is a tough one. See, the first thing we're doing here is we're admitting we sinned. But the second thing we're doing here is admitting we have to forgive See, I know I've done wrong. I know I've crossed the line. I know I missed the mark. We are saying, God, we need your forgiveness. We need to repent. We need to not just turn from our sin, but we need to run towards God. We we need to be sorry for our sin, not just when we got caught or when we get caught, but because we know it breaks the Father's heart. See, Jesus linked this statement right after our daily bread, connecting that we need both of them daily. We need the necessity of life, of the bread of life, and we need forgiveness for our sins daily. And then he goes on to say, as we have been forgiven, let us forgive those who sin against us. See, so this morning we need to let go of resentment towards others. Because in order for God to do his part, we have to do our part. Jesus says in verse 15, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. (laughs) That's deep, that's heavy, and that is right. I cannot hang on to resentment. I cannot hang on to offense. I cannot hang on to what others have done to me if I want to receive fully God's forgiveness. Now, that is a statement, again, that is a God theology that I'm not going to try to break down because it makes sense to him, not me. Because my flesh is going to say, okay, if I don't forgive others, that means I can't be forgiven, so can I get to heaven? Don't go there ask God to help you forgive others so you can have a clean mind Lord created me a clean heart see Jesus wants to wipe your slate clean and for some of us he has forgiven us for what we've done but we've been hanging on to unforgiveness and we need to take time this morning Hayden, if you want to come forward we need to take time this morning and say God if there is any unforgiveness in me Help me forgive it this morning. Don't walk out of here. Again, it's, it's freeing. It's not... We struggle a lot of times with forgiveness because we think if we forgive that other person that it now makes everything they did okay. That's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is saying, I'm not going to let what they did hold on to my life and make me a captive to what they did. I want the freedom from it. I need to be set free. And if God leads it, where you can you see that person again, and you have a conversation with them again, and you say, "Hey, I forgive you for what you did." See, my history. When I started praying about it, and I started looking, why do I act the way I do? Why do I do some of the things I do? What's gone on in my life? And I talked to my uncle about it. And there were things that happened in my family when I grew up that I was holding resentment towards that I didn't even know I was holding resentment. Because it's my family. But it was was deep in my heart. Search my heart and know me, God. Reveal anything in me that's contrary to your ways. And as I did that, there were things that I had to forgive. Now, I couldn't forgive that person anymore because they had passed away. What do you do? You sit down, you write a letter. You give it to God, your heavenly daddy, who said, nah, I make all things new. So this morning, it doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter the hurt you've gone through. Your father wants to wrap you in his arms and let you know it's all going to be okay. But start by asking to forgive others who have hurt you. Because then he can set you free. He can give you new.